0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. To you, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about when his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. But before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son and named him Jesus. My dear friends, the good news, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. May the words of the Holy Gospel blot out our sins. Amen. Uh... My dear friends, on these big feast days, I'd like to start out with just a little bit of call and response. So when I say joyful, joyful, you say joyful, joyful. And I'm also going to say Christ is born, and you can say alleluia. You ready? All right. joyful, joyful. joyful, joyful. Christ is born. Hallelujah. Today, the day of days, where we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus coming down from heaven and becoming one of us. This event that we've been trying to understand and figure out for 2,000 years, because it's a little bit above human reason. It's not against human reason, but it's a little bit above human reason. Right? The playwright uh, took a part in the play, the poet became part of the poem. The creator of the universe, the person who made the mosquito, and the elephant, and the amoeba, and the grass, and the ocean, and the planet Jupiter, the creator and the sustainer of everything, came down to us as a baby. Anybody here afraid of babies? No, we just want to hug them, and pick them up, and make them laugh, and hold them close to our heart. And this baby is also God. So God just wants to hug us and hold us and make us laugh and pull us closer to his heart. This is the most beautiful way that God could have ever come to us. As a little, vulnerable, innocent little baby, so that everyone in the world could approach him. But it's a mystery beyond our understanding. And today I want it for our meditation during the Christmas season, which is, uh, two weeks long, two weeks long is Christmas, Advent is four weeks long, Christmas is two weeks long, so for the next two weeks, we're still going to be able to meditate on this great event of the incarnation of Jesus, and I want to link it today for your meditation and for your further, hopefully, fruit, I want to link it today to the Eucharist, and I want to link that today to, dip, to uh, being made holy. The $2 words are incarnation, transubstantiation, and divinization, in case you want to look those up. But basically, it's that Jesus came to us. Jesus took on our human nature in the incarnation or the nativity of Jesus, and that this is the day that we celebrate that he did it. And that most famous verse, made famous by God's providence by football games, people used to hold up the sign, John 3.16. John 3:16. God so loved the world that he sent his only Son that all who believe in him might not perish but might have everlasting life. It's such a beautiful passage of Scripture. One, of course, worth memorizing and repeating to yourself often. It's so beautiful because it tells us a couple of things right off the bat. Number one, why did God do it? Why did God the Father come and send his Son into the world? Because out of love, out of love. Now that's both personal and universal. God loved you so much that he sent his only son to come down to us as a baby. God loved me so much that he sent his only son into the world taking on that human nature, taking on that human flesh, taking on a human soul, everything it means to be human because he loves me and because he loves you so much. And it also tells us, because since it's love, that God didn't have to do it. Love is never forced. That's not love. God gave us this great gift of free will so we could freely choose to love each other and to love him. So it's nothing forced upon God. He did it out of love, and he didn't have to do it, but he still did it anyway, even knowing what would happen. You know how we thank God for doing this, right? We killed him. Thank you for coming, and we crucified him. But then he rose from the dead and said, I still love you. Ha ha. I still love you. There's nothing you can do about it. I am God and I love you. So he didn't have to do it. He was obedient even to death, death on the cross. He rose from the dead. And now he has made this great way for us to be with him. This is all out of God's love. God's love. And... You know, in our own life, just to reflect on this a little bit, there's really, we're really two people. Who who we really are, and then who God sees us as, who God created us to be. There's a gap, who we are, and who God created us to be. And so he came into our existence, into our taking on our human nature, so that we could now achieve this goal of becoming who it is, God wants us to be and our whole life is one of moving ever so gently ever so tenderly ever so beautifully ever so slowly closer and closer to who it is God has created us to be to who it is that God wants us to be we are just moving ever so much closing this gap it's my other favorite scripture from the gospel of John 10.10, Jesus says, I come to give you life that you may have it abundantly. Jesus has come to give us the abundant life so we could be truly free and truly be who we are and truly live in this world as his children doing the mission and the work of God. So this gap, every day we are growing closer and closer to becoming who it is that God has created us to be, to becoming like another Jesus, becoming like him in the world. And so he knew that we would need food for the journey, right? Just think of the Israelites in the desert for 40 years. They would need food and water out there in the desert or they would die. And God knew for us closing this gap, for us becoming holy, we would need food for the journey. And hence he comes to us every day, every day on this altar, He's born onto the altar. Like he was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, he's born onto this altar every day. That that bread and wine in the back of church there, which the congregation is going to bring up as a sign representing their very life, all of their work, all of their celebrations, everything they are, they're going to bring that forward, and we're all going to witness the greatest miracle that has ever been or ever will be. That that bread and wine is going to change into the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ right in our presence. Because God knew we needed food for the journey. And he supplies it. He's born on this altar at every holy mass. You know why it's the greatest miracle? Because it happens continuously. Everywhere around the world, every second the Mass is being celebrated, and Jesus is feeding his people and bringing them, helping them to close that gap. And that food and water, that sanctifying grace that's in the sacraments, is what changes us. You know, receiving Jesus into our heart, into our body at Mass, has an effect in our life, and that's what changes us into becoming who it is God called us to be. It's through the sacraments, especially through the Eucharist which we are about to receive, which is Jesus himself coming into our very bodies, coming into our soul, coming into our life, coming into our marriage, coming into our religious life. He comes inside and dwells with us at every mass. And that's that last part. That's the effect of that makes us holy. The effect of having Jesus come into us changes us if we'll let it, if we're open to God, and we ask him to change us, to heal us, to enlighten us, to deliver us from the power of evil, God comes in and God does his work. And this is how we become saints. Right? The $2 word is divinization. We're divinized by receiving the Eucharist. We are divinized. We are changed to be like Jesus, to be like God, This the power of grace in our life. I just want to close with a poem. It's anonymous from Germany, uh, somewhere between 1600 and 1700. Sometimes poetry can reach us in a way that's even greater than our intellect can uh, reach us. The poem is called The Soul Wherein God Dwells. The soul wherein God dwells, what church could holier be? becomes a walking tent of heavenly majesty how far from here to heaven not very far my friend a single hearty step will all the journey end though christ a thousand times in bethlehem be born if he's not born in thee thy soul is still forlorn the cross on golgotha will never save thy soul the cross in thine own heart alone can make thee whole. Hold, thou, where runnest thou? No heaven is in thee. Seekest thou for God elsewhere? His face thou shalt never see. Oh, would thy heart but a manger be for his birth? God would once more become a child upon the earth. Go out, and God will go in. Die thou, and let him live. Be not, and he will be. Wait, and he'll all things give. O shame, a silkworm works, and a worm works and spins till it can fly. And thou, my soul, will still on thine old earth-clod lie. Jesus is born on this altar every mass, and he's born into our heart, into our soul. Every time we receive him. I just want to, one more quote from St. Therese of Lisieux who says it so beautifully. St. Therese of Lisieux said, Our Lord does not come from heaven every day to stay in a golden ciborium. He comes to find another heaven, the heaven of our soul, in which he loves to dwell.